Praise the Lord, everybody. The spirit of the Lord is in this place. This is two weeks in a row. The, the fellowship just kept going. It's great. I like it. We believe we need to be unified, and the way we unify is get to know each other, actually learn who people are that we're sitting by. People go years without ever knowing people in their church, but it's the body. It's the body of Christ. But hey, if you're new here, my name is Pastor Jeff Gwaltney. We've been holding services here since January, One Seed Church, and we want to throw a shout out to the mothers. All the mothers, raise your hand if you're a mother, mother-to-be, or you just want to be a mother someday. That's okay. Mothers in the house, give them a round of applause, guys. Come on. Come on. Without, without mothers, let's be real. We wouldn't be here, okay? So like Nick said, grab a carnation and a vase, and I want to thank my wife, who's a mother, who put that together. She is the engine of our family, and I get a lot of the attention, but she is the engine underneath the hood doing all the work. So we're very, my children and I are very thankful for her and all she does that no one sees or says thanks for. So thank you, babe. Love you. You're awesome. But this week we took a, we just got back from Florida. If I look a little, little janky, it's because I've been driving across the country for the last two days, trying to remember what state I'm in. We drove to Destin, it's in the panhandle, because when you got four kids, getting on a plane is not logical in my opinion, and it's not um, affordable also. So we drive there, and we drove down to Destin, and it was cool, you know, we got the white sandy beach, it's in the, the Gulf of Mexico, and we got to do some things. We, we found some sand dollars in the sand, we played in the, in the water, it was very clear water. We got to go find some crocodiles at Make sure I say this right or it could come out wrong. Fud Puckers is the place. Yeah, that's where we went to actually hold an alligator. My two-year-old was holding the head of the alligator. Out of all positions, the two-year-old, if you see the picture, she's going, she's holding the head of the alligator that had like some electric tape around its jaw. And I'm just thinking, that's not going to hold nothing if that thing gets mad. So we got, to, we got to pet the alligators. We got to do the beach thing, play by the pool. And, you know, and then we drove back. And, you know, Missouri looks a lot different than Florida. The climate's different. The scenery's different. The elevation's a little different. And as we're driving back, we get up to the Arkansas border into Missouri. And, and just, you know, glad to be home. I see a prop plane flying. And this, is, this happened yesterday, just like less than 24 hours. So it's fresh in my mind. There's a prop plane circling the freeway. And I'm thinking, that's an odd place to practice. And he's kind of doing one of these. He's coming real low. And then he's going back up. And I'm thinking, that's, that's a little close, but okay, whatever. You know, I'm thinking, that guy's going to die or something. I'm paranoid. And we're going. And the next thing I know, this plane has circled around and is coming right at my Yukon, okay? And I'm speeding up, and it's coming right at me. I'm like, Michelle, that thing's getting lower. This thing was so low, it was going to kill us and hit my Yukon on the freeway. And I thought the guy was being funny. And then the last second, he goes, you know, he jumps up again, but he was like messing with the cars on the road, and I thought it was going to be, uh, you know, a death trap for us with my whole family in the car. Right when we finally get back to Missouri, I guess from his altitude, you know, things looked a little different. From the ground, it looked scary. I thought I was going to die, but I guess from his altitude up in the air, he thought it was no big deal. You know, the people look like ants. So it was a good time. It, it, the train changes. You know, the 
the, the Florida beaches, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little weird, if you haven't noticed. And when I stay on the beach too long, I get a little anxious because I, I'm not used to just kind of doing nothing. And after a while, if I don't do something, I start feeling anxious. It's, my, my, it's, in, the, it's in the blood. I don't know. And um, so by about day five of every trip, if we go to a beach or something, I get a little anxious, and I call it the wilderness. And then on the flip side, you know, there's mountain trips. Some people go skiing. And this one time, you know, we went skiing, and we were going to Vail. And I don't know if you've ever driven towards a mountain, but it's quite different from the beach. It's, it's, it's like a mirage. When you see the mountain off in the distance and you're driving on the freeway, it just never gets closer. Anybody ever driven towards and up a mountain? And it just takes forever. It's like, it's right there. It's right there. But then two more hours go by and it's still not there. It's like, which is it? It's, it's a mirage. And it's, it's so vast and intimidating because of its size that when you get to the foot of the mountain and you look up, you're just like, I don't know if I can go up there. I don't know if I can go up into that altitude. It, it's scary from ground level, you know, but for me, when I'm on the beach too long, there's people that just love to sit there and read books for days by the pool. I'm not one of those people. After like four or five days, if I haven't done something and checked off a, a checkbox on some kind of list, I'm feeling a little crazy and I start becoming crabby. It's really weird. It's because I'm used to having a little bit of mountains in my life. And when I think of Vail, I remember the time, you know, we had to go up the mountain and it was so intimidating when you're looking at the mountain from the wilderness. My view from the ground level was intimidating at what I saw from the wilderness. In the scriptures, God reveals himself while on the mountain. From Moses receiving the Ten Commandments to Jesus praying with the apostles. Only when we're willing to leave the wilderness are we able to see God in a new dimension from a new perspective. Your personal journey with God requires a willingness to climb to a higher altitude. Your peers will, I've said may, but they actually will judge you from the ground, but they can't consume what you will receive when you walk in faith and climb the mountain to meet God. We must be willing to leave our complacent lives and risk Altitude sickness, which I got when I went to Vail. Muscle fatigue. Feeling like we straight up might starve to death if we don't eat something or get some water. But if we're willing to climb, God will take us to new heights. My passage today is Mark chapter 9, verse 2 through 8. It's the story of the transfiguration where he took three specific apostles, a separate from the group, up to the mountain to show them something that only was revealed in the mountain. He took James, John, and Peter to show them something special that had to happen on the mountain. Those in the wilderness weren't getting to see this. It was special. If you go to verse 2 in chapter 9, it says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured, transformed. Just think transformers. Before them, his clothes became shining, exceedingly white, such as no laundromat on earth could get, could get anything that white. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking to Jesus. So here we are on the mountain, and here's Elijah. He's dead. 
Here's Moses, he's dead. And here's Jesus, he's not dead. And they're all three together in front of Peter, James, and John. And they're going, but those two guys, they died a long time ago. They're like right in front of us. They're a little freaked out. But Peter wanted to keep his cool, didn't want to look scared. Answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah because he did not really know what to say because he was actually terrified or greatly afraid, the word says. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. How many know God can speak and also be right next to you, but you can hear God from heaven at the same time? God can heal a man in Africa and a man in America at the same time. doesn't mean there's two of them. The spirit of God is the spirit of God. It's omnipresent. It's everywhere. It's beyond our sensual understanding because it's spiritual. I digress. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one but only Jesus with themselves. See, what Jesus did is he went up there and he said, here's where my promise came from, Moses. Here's what's going to happen through the prophecy of Elijah. And guess what? I'm fulfilling the prophecy as the Christ, the Redeemer, Here is the completion of the circle. That's why he had all three in front of them. So they could witness something maybe to give to others later. Hmm. It's not for their benefit. Everything God gives us is to glorify him in the end. So Jesus was setting them up with some special experiences that they could pass on when he departs. The title of my message today is Altitude witness. Not like me who got altitude sickness because I didn't drink any water. I got on the ski lifts and I don't need nothing. I'm good. I'm good. And I'm like, I'm going to throw up. I'm all dizzy. got a headache for four days. It's because my brother said, hey, you're supposed to drink water. Did you Google it? I said, no, I've never been to the mountains. I don't know what I'm doing. I had altitude sickness. But if you're willing to push through the sickness and get hydrated through the, where the Lord takes you, you will become an altitude witness no more sickness my view of the mountain is determined by my willingness to climb i had a, i posted something like this a few months ago on facebook and the guy said well the guy's the guy said i can't walk he's with me in the valley yes he is and i didn't say you had to climb i said it's your willingness to climb because maybe you're not the one climbing and you think you can't climb because your legs don't work but it's your willingness to climb is maybe how you're going to get up the mountain. See, he was thinking carnally, and I was talking spiritually, and he wasn't making the connection. And I didn't, I didn't tell him all that online because it's just, you know, hard to do in a couple sentences. But maybe he'll come visit us sometime here at One Seed Church. But my view of the mountain, when I'm standing at the wilderness, that's my view. I don't see anything but mountain. I see work. Doesn't look good. My view can change based on my willingness to climb. And when you decide you're going to climb a mountain, you're going to get advice from people, advice from the wilderness, advice from ground zero. You know, the people who've never stepped on a mountain are going to tell you all about the mountain and how you're never going to be able to climb the mountain because, you know, it's hard. And maybe it's really because they don't like that you're doing something that's breaking the norm. Maybe they're insecure and they want to tell you how difficult it's going to be. But how does someone who's never left the wilderness know what it takes to climb a mountain? 
They'd never been on one. Maybe they YouTubed it. They had YouTube back in the, back in the, what was he, I've been like, I don't know, 33, 32 AD, right? When they're on the mountain, right before the crucifixion. I had a friend years ago who, smart guy, he really was intelligent, but he liked to debate everything. He always had to be the alpha in the conversation. And what I learned over time was if he knew you were kind of thinking on something, studying something, when you weren't looking, he'd hit up Google or YouTube is what I would do nowadays if I really wanted to get a visual experience that I could really spew as my own thoughts. It's really just buzzwords that I'm picking up and I'm going to forget tomorrow. But that's what he would do. He would, he would like we talk about Israel or something. And he said, you know, the, the, the state of Israel was formed and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude, what are you, an encyclopedia? And I realized right before I walked in his door, he was sitting on the computer. See, he, he's a great guy, but there's people like that. They're really never leaving the wilderness, but they're claiming that they're mountaineers who know all about the journey up to the top. And they've never set foot onto the foot of the mountain, though. They play it safe, and their life stays the same. If it was easy, everyone would run up the mountain. But it's not easy if you want to get where God wants you to go. Sometimes it takes work. God wants you to fight by faith. Those same people, they'll flip the script on you about a year later. They'll go, did you know this, blah, 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 and it's something you told them like 12 months earlier. Now they're flipping the script on you, and they're telling you a, vo a voice of wisdom that you actually planted in them, and they forgot. That's the best. Those are the same people who do that. They're not really willing to live, leave the wilderness. But your journey is not their journey. Our vision, discover God's perfect plan, perfect journey. Purpose, all those things, it's the same thing. It's uniquely defined for each of us specifically. So we can't, like we talked about a few weeks back, comparing. There's no need to compare because your journey is not their journey. Only you can fill the shoes of the journey God has for you. And that takes stepping onto the mountain. My promise is on the mountain. It's a challenge from God. God is with you in the valley, but he has something special to show you. On the mountain. I've climbed a lot of mountains. I've climbed some hills. I've, I've climbed some just little bumps on the road. But sometimes I know now from climbing a few mountains that my circle of friends has to shrink because the friends who aren't willing to go on the mountain with me, they're not going to get it. They're going to hold me back. You need mountain friends. Touch three people, tell them, you need mountain friends. Come on. You need mountain friends. Mountain friends. We don't want wilderness friends. We want mountain friends that are going to go with us into the mountain, up the mountain. Just recently, I had a friend. I can never say names. It's like not proper pastoral life. You have to just be vague. I had a friend who was complaining about a new bill he was getting monthly that was, to him, this big. To me, it was nothing. Not in a snobby way, but it was relative to experience and overall life. And he was sweating this bill. And I said, we were saying, hey, man, if you want to change it, you know, figure out a way to change it. 
And he's, he's, he's seeking new job opportunities at the same time. He says, you know, I really want something that's going to make me happy. I, I'm really passionate about doing this. And, and, and here, here's, the, here's the solution to his bill over here, which is on the mountain. But in the wilderness, he sees the beach life. And he says, I just, I just want to live on the beach, though, but I'm sweating this $20 bill that I got to increase each month. And we said, bro, get on the mountain. You, if, if the $20 is a big deal to you, get on the mountain and fix it. But I, I'm not passionate about being on the I'm not passionate about climbing a mountain. It hurts. I don't want to get altitude sickness and, and, and puke from the, from the dizziness and get on a ski lift. And, oh, man, those are the worst if you've never been on one. You get on the ski lift and you're just hanging there in midair. You're going to die. Nobody wants to do that unless they've been on one and they, they know what it's like to be, be up in the altitude. Then they get used to it. But, but he just wanted to be on the beach. But he couldn't find a solution to his $20 problem. Which is it? Do you want a solution? Step on the mountain. If you live on the beach all day, it's nice. But if you don't leave the wilderness, you can't grow. I graduated from Belmont. This is the same thing. There was Belmont University in Nashville. It's a great school. There's, there's all kinds of degrees. and There were kids. This is, I was 19. There's kids. They did what they had a passion for. And they graduated and they started working at Starbucks after their $80,000 degree, private school, did nothing for them. Why? Because they followed just what sounded good. They didn't look at what would bring fruit, what would bring their journey up the mountain to get fruit. And that was basically because the supply was too high based on the demand of what they were majoring in. Music, I'm bitter because I didn't choose music. I was a business major, but I grew up doing music, so I have a special sensitivity to talking about music degrees. But Nick, if you ever want to get a degree, don't get one in music. I'm just telling you, buddy. If you want to not work at Starbucks, get a different degree. Sorry, guys. Some things just come out. It's just who I am. Hey, I've been a musician my whole life, so I'm just keeping it real. What happens on the mountain stays on the mountain. Your experience that God intended to happen on a mountain can't be validated from the wilderness. It wasn't meant to take place there. You got to go to where he meant for it to happen, to receive it. But when you change your view out of your willingness to climb, things start looking a little better. When I started going up that mountain, I started seeing the people were shrinking. They started looking like ants. You ever, you ever been up on a ski slope or somewhere like that? And, and the people, that you see the cars, they look like ants. And see, my view is changing because now I'm not standing at the foot of the mountain. I decided to plow through it and get up that mountain. And when I get high enough, now it starts looking pretty good. Hey, this is a nice view up here. Things are changing. I quit, I quit getting headaches, started drinking some water. I started thinking, hey, this is, this is a nice view up here. This is starting to be a good thing. I'm starting to see the good come from the journey. I mean, heck, I started on a bunny slope. I couldn't stand on nothing. I was just all over the place, embarrassing everyone that was around me. And by like day four, I had gone to the green. Any skiers in here? So you know what I'm talking about, the green. And then the blue. By day, the last day before we had to leave the mountain, of course, I, I got on a blue and I did okay. But And I'm not willing to go on the blacks. And I'm definitely not willing to get on the caterpillar and, and go up to the, the top of the mountain, Vincent. I'm not willing to get on a caterpillar and go where there's not even a ski lift because that's just crazy. But some people want to keep going higher because they know if they push through it, they're going to find something new. But I was good with the blue, and we came back to St. Louis alive. So that was good. But the view gets better. You look up and go, wow, God created this. 
Check out the view. My sickness went away. It's going to be hard to climb any mountain, but you will adjust by the Spirit of God working through you. He is your harness up the cliff. He is your support in the shoes of life as you try to scale this mountain that looks impossible. Just be willing to climb in your view will change. When you're at the top of the mountain, it looks a lot different than when you're at the foot of the mountain. Your view will change based on your willingness to climb. Anybody ever been to, ever heard of Haleakala Volcano? It's a volcano, right? It's not an active volcano. In Maui, there is a volcano that's not active. Haleakala. And people tell you, hey, if you ever go, get up at 4 a.m., it's really cold, it's pitch black, there's no bathrooms, I pee a lot, sorry. This doesn't sound good to me. We get in the car, drive up the mountain two hours in the pitch black. Looks like something on a dateline. Why would anybody do this? It's freezing, there's no lights, there's no bathrooms, there's no coffee. Why would we go up the mountain? So I'm, I'm forced to go. I'm forced to endure this climb. We go up two hours, still blackout. We get to the top finally, and there's like this shed with windows. I don't know, people go up there to look at something. I don't know what they want to look at. I guess the view's supposed to be good. It's freezing. All of a sudden, there's headlights everywhere. Hundreds of people decided to do the same thing. They get to the top, and the sun just starts barely breaking. And there's people everywhere that you thought you were the only one at the top of Haleakala. Google it after the sermon, of course, or YouTube it, and it is the greatest sunrise experience basically on the planet. But I didn't know that because I didn't want to leave the wilderness. I didn't want to go up the mountain. But when God's shining glory shined off the horizon when the sun came over, I thought of the Mount of Transfiguration of what Peter, James, and John saw. The, the, the glory shined off his coat. The, the, you're above the clouds, and the sunrise comes over the clouds. And when it breaks, it's just the most spectacular thing. One of the closest things I've seen of the essence of God in my, in my carnal way of thinking that I've ever seen. But had I never been willing to climb up that mountain and avoid not having to use the bathroom 20 times in the two-hour trip and no coffee because I didn't want to have to stop to go to the bathroom, uh, I would have missed what God had prepared at the top of the mountain. It was my willingness to climb. My view changed. What started as a fear of the unknown led to exposure of God's glory at the top but I had to be willing to leave the wilderness. God will witness to you in a very personal way that the crowd will miss, but you have to go on the mountain like Peter, James, and John. They were separated from the crowd. It was a personal experience where God was showing them the law, the prophecy, and the fulfillment of the law through the prophecy of Elijah personally on the mountain. They had to climb the mountain. God's got a reservation for you. Reservation for two, the top of the mountain. But you got to go accept the reservation. When you climb the mountain, you'll skip the line. When Chloe was born, I have four kids. In case anybody wants to know the history of, who's this guy? Why am I listening to him? He's kind of, 
I got four kids, eight, seven, five, and two. I always have to think, what are their names? Chloe, Caleb, Colton, Kaylee. All C's, that was a smart choice. We always have to say two or three names when we really just want to call on one of them. It's like George Foreman. He said, I'll just name them all George. And then, uh, you know, hey, George, come here. They, somebody comes. It's great. But we did all C's. And we went, so back when we had one kid, I lost my train of thought. I haven't had much coffee. I've been driving across country all week. We get to Baxter's at Lake Saint, in, in the Lake of the Ozarks. And in Baxter's, there's a view. There's a water view. It's a water restaurant. Some of you guys might have been there. And you got to have a reservation special to get the water view, okay? If you don't want to sit by the bathroom or the wall, you got to have a reservation. And so we come up like at 4 o'clock because that's dinner time in my dad's world, 4 o'clock. And if it's not... If it's 4.15, it's late, and we're going to hit the rush. So we go, we leave like at 3.30 for dinner. I know, it's early. We show up with little baby Chloe. She's like six months old. And the owner takes us right to the window. No reservation, nothing. Right to the window. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a move of God. He placed us right. He, we bypassed the line. We didn't have a reservation. It was meant to be. It was God sent. It was heavenly. And what I really found out is he didn't like that we weren't buying any alcohol, so he wanted us out of there so he could get the drinkers in there when prime time came. That's really what was going on, but in my mind, I still like to think, this God placed us here to bypass the lion on our mountain to look at the water. Amen? Hey, it's about perception, right? You guys with me? Maybe God was bypassing the line, and the owner just didn't know it. Because God works through men. So what I perceived as a carnal man wanting to make more money, maybe God was using him to, sell, to set up this experience that I would share, you know, eight years later in a sermon at church. You don't know. That's how God does things. It's unexpected. Those that try to tell you you never make it slowly disappear as they're hardly noticeable from the top of the mountain. They're still in the wilderness. You can't take them with you sometimes when they're going to hold you back. If they're holding you back from the glory of God, you can't take them with you. You need mountain friends. They slowly disappear. They're waiting on God to move, and they say, well, we just keep praying for God to move. And God said, get up the mountain. They said, well, we don't want to do that. They keep waiting. When, when is God going to respond to our call? And I, I'm saying, well, he's responding to my call. I'm climbing the mountain, like he said. And I'm hearing God. While you guys think he's not answering you, it's because you're not stepping out of the wilderness. God took Peter, James, and John because he saw their fervent faith in that they would endure what he had planned for them to come later. He knew ahead of time. Just when you get to the top of the mountain, though, here's the, here's the great part. God tells you it's time to climb another one. You get your finances in order, your kid gets sick. You get your family together, family life's good, your job falls apart. You tried to help somebody, and they spit on you, and they didn't return it like you thought they should. See, the mountains are always coming and going. It's part of life. But if you're not climbing, you're not growing. And it's your willingness to climb that God will assist you up the mountain to change your view to see what he has. As soon as you give up and decide to stay in the valley, that's it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not climbing this mountain. I'm going to the beach. It's easy. You quit growing. You want the best God has for you. You got to be prepared to start climbing. Be prepared to start climbing one mountain while you're still conquering another because it's 
is a hilly terrain. You want to be king of the mountain? You need a witness. By day four on that trip, I, I was feeling good. I was feeling proud. My posture changed. I was on the, the green slopes as little kids with no ski poles were just shooting past me. I felt great. Little two-year-olds shooting past me down the hill with no parents. I felt a little more manly than I did on the bunny slope. I felt like I was king of the mountain. I was hydrated. No more altitude sickness. Jesus turns our altitude sickness into an opportunity to discover the witness, the comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Almighty God, Jesus Christ himself will reveal himself on the mountain. He is the king of the mountain. You may feel like the king, but it's because the king is holding you and he's carrying you up the mountain. Like the guy who said, well, I can't walk. I'm in a wheelchair. Doesn't mean you can't go up the mountain. Try it. Things will happen if you're willing to climb because you've got the king of the mountain in your pocket. You've got the king of the mountain in your heart, in your life. You need a witness. Look up T.D. Jakes. He's got the greatest sermon on the witness. How can you be a witness to something you've never seen? You've never left the wilderness. How can you witness the experience of the mountain if you've never been on it? You can't. YouTube can't cut it. You need a witness to become a witness for Jesus Christ. You need the Holy Ghost in you to get up the mountain with no legs because he is the king of the mountain. He is the king of the valley. He is the king of everything. The Lord Jesus. Now it's time to go to the wilderness and go find those friends. And now your job is to lead them into the mountain because now you are a qualified witness on behalf of the Almighty God to lead them to him. But unless you get the experience, you won't know what to do. The mountain can be your place of refuge because Jesus is our stronghold. He is our strong tower, our provider. But Christ has to be king in your heart because he is king of the mountain. On the mountain, God will show you Elijah, what is to come. On the mountain, he'll show you what was and where things started in Moses. And on the mountain, he will show you who he is as the Christ, the redeemer for all mankind, the fulfillment of the law and the prophecy on the mountain. And you will witness something that can't be found in the wilderness. My view of the mountain is determined by my willingness to climb. Quit talking about how hard the mountain is from the wilderness. Try climbing and then, then, then let's talk about it. Start discovering who God made you to be, but you gotta take steps. You can't step, crawl. I was just listening to Toby Mack. I mentioned Toby a few times in church and no one ever really responds strongly, but I, I like Toby. And he talks about, till the day I die. If I, I say, I can't sing, I can't quit. It's on my heart, it's on my lips. He's saying, if he can't walk, he'll crawl till the day he dies.